Hey, welcome everybody to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. I am your host, Parker Bennett, and I want to welcome you to another great year of Kamloops real estate information on this podcast where we do our very best uh, to bring you not just factual data, but also um, educated perspective on what uh, the Kamloops real estate market is doing, what it's done, and uh, what it might be doing moving forward in uh, 2022. Uh, BC assessments have recently rolled out, and uh, I bet you were stunned to see the appreciated value of your personal properties. I know I had a number of phone calls from uh, past clients who were bugging out about the uh, raised values. Uh, So I want to talk about that today. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the popular subdivisions in Kamloops and how well they fared in the markets uh, over the course of the last 12 months. And uh, maybe what we learned, um, not only as realtors, but maybe as investors, as homeowners, about market conditions uh, in the last year. And finally, I want to touch on some stuff about what we can expect moving forward into 2022. So uh, stay tuned. I appreciate you listening. And I want to bring you the very best content uh, and value for your ears. So stay tuned. Meet Parker Bennett, real estate agent. Parker loves Kamloops. Parker has a background in building inspections, so he knows houses. This is the Kamloops Insider with Parker Bennett. All right, let's just jump right into it. BC assessments rolled out last week. Uh, the province as a whole, high increases for assessed values on residential property due to the increased valuations on properties. No surprise here. Uh, Kamloops had an average increase of 27%, uh, not the highest in the province by any means. Kelowna was 34%. Uh, Merritt was 29%. Um, I think the Shushwap region and Salmon Arm rural areas were 35%. So lots of increases on the horizon. Uh, What does that mean for taxpayers? Does that mean just because your assessed value goes up, you're going to pay more taxes? Well, really it doesn't. There's another factor in there that you have to consider. And um, let let me play it out like this. If your assessed value in Kamloops is higher than 27%, okay, if it is higher than 27%, you're more likely to pay more taxes as a whole than you did last year. But it's really going to depend on the city budget. But let's assume the city budget was exactly the same as it was last year, which it isn't. I know it's going up, but let's just assume uh, that the city budget is the exact same as it is next year as it was last year. If your Uh, Assessed value went up more than 27%. Chances are you're paying more in taxes. If it's similar to 27%, if it's 27%, 25, 26, you're probably going to stay the same, if not even less. Okay? But if you're lower than 27%, 20% increase, uh, 22% increase, you're more likely to pay less taxes than you did last year. Because you got to remember, Just because your assessed value is higher, the BC assessment is not a tax authority. They're simply an assessment of your property so that when the tax authority in our region, it's Kamloops, the Kamloops tax authority looks at assessed values uh, to disperse their taxation. It's really depending on your value of your property. So if everybody's goes up, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to pay more in taxes. 
But if yours goes up more than the average, you are definitely going to pay more taxes comparatively to what you would have paid as a percentage uh, in the year previous. So I hope this clar- clarifies a few things up because I get this call every year because um, on, on an average, the assessed values go up every year or they definitely have in the last 12 years. And I'll get the call saying, hey, you know, my tax, you know, my assessed values went up. You know, how do I fight this? I definitely don't want to pay more in taxes next year. And if, if you understand that concept that you, you must, re- if you listen to the podcast, you probably remember Alejandra Carroll, who used to be a realtor at Royal LePage. She's on this podcast a number of times. She actually moved over to BC Assessments. I had a good little intimate conversation with her uh, with regarding to assessed values before the podcast, just to make sure I touched on all the points um, that are significant, you know, like common questions that they get hammered with. If you do want to uh, dispute your assessed values, let me give you some perspective on this. And this is just my perspective. When you sell your home, your assessed value is not a factor in deciding the price to list it at. However, in a, in, a, in a buyer's market, when buyers have a little more leverage than they do in today's market, they will use lower assessed values as a negotiating cripple. Uh, in this market, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. You don't have any leverage as a buyer, so it's just literally, if you want this property, you've got to pay for it. But we're not always going to be in this beautiful environment as a seller where we can just depict our own prices and sit back on the couch and let the offers roll in and pick the best one. This market is going to eventually settle down. When it does, your assessed value could be used against you in leverage in negotiating. So if you're sitting at a $500,000, $600,000 valuation, and last year you were at a 330, 340, and you're going to dispute your assessed values, just remember, you're going to sell one day. As a Canadian, the average is still 7.35 years. So you're going to sell your home one day, and that assessed value in a downsizing market will and could be used. Not always will it be used, but it could be used against you in negotiations. It just doesn't look as good. So if you dispute your taxation, and let's say you had a 30% increase, and it gets rolled back to a 27% increase, probably not going to really matter that much. Your taxes probably will change like 10 bucks. But I'm not saying don't, don't leave the $10 on the table. Um, but I know for a fact that my assessed values went up more than 27%. So if you're disputing your number down, it just means I'm going to be paying more in tax. <laughs> I suspect if you're listening to this podcast... Um, you're fairly aware and present-minded about the current state of real estate in Kamloops. But let me just give you some data. In December of 2020, the Kamloops median residential price for a property. Now, let's just, uh, let's talk about that for a sec. The median price, not the average price. So if you could picture in your mind a graph uh, no, a spreadsheet. And at the top of the spreadsheet uh, is the cheapest property that sold in Kamloops. And at the bottom of the spreadsheet is the most expensive house in Kamloops that sold. The median price would be somewhere in, would be right in the middle of those the two properties. So if you had 
you know, $200,000 properties, $300,000 properties, and you had a million dollar properties at the bottom, the, the property that sold that's very much in the middle is the median price. It's a lot different than the average price because the average price is, can be skewed by a really expensive house or really cheap properties that are sold um, under that single family residential uh, criteria. So the median residential price in 2020 at the end of the year in December was $549,000. Actually, it was $549,900. Okay. One year later, 2021, the median residential price for a single family dwelling uh, was $750,000. It's over a $200,000 increase. So that's significant. Now, that number could be skewed a bit because it's actually just year end. And the reason that I don't give you the entire year's median residential price is because that's skewed as well because in January, houses were selling for less. So, I mean, you could twist the data any way you want to hear it, but at the year end, $200,000 increase uh, for median residential price at Caleb's. It's crazy. And the most expensive home sold in Kamloops uh, this past year, 5.7 million bucks. Not too shabby. Okay, the year ended with 1,573 single family detached home sales uh, in the Kamloops market. And dwellings in general, uh, just under 3,000 at 2,919 dwellings sold. It's, it's interesting because those numbers are pretty normal. I don't have the data sitting right in front of me for how many units sold in 2020, but, but I know it was, it was fairly close to that number. So it's not that more houses are selling, it's that the houses that we have are selling for more money, meaning more demand, more buyers than sellers, sellers have leverage. You know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a couple of years now, I've been saying the same damn thing. It's been a long run here where it's been a seller's market and it's um, probably going to continue moving into 2022. Um, let's look at some subdivisions that did really, really well. Uh, top, top four subdivisions in Kamloops. Not much change here. Sometimes these move around a little bit, but uh, Sahali, uh, the top selling subdivision with 394 sales, uh, dwelling sales last year. Uh, number two would be Brocklehurst, 358 sales. Uh, next is South Thompson, which includes, you know, downtown and uh, Sagebrush area, 282 dwellings sold. And uh, Aberdeen comes in fourth, 264 units. Uh, some honorable mentions there. Uh, Sun Peaks, a lot of sales, 165 units. Uh, of course, that includes apartments and condos. Um, but uh, quite a few sales up on the hill this year. Sun Rivers, 106, uh, which is a pretty good year for those guys. Westside, 218 units sold. Um, some of the quieter subdivisions uh, were, I don't know if Bachelor, he- Bachelor Heights at 84 units was quiet, but sometimes that number's a little bit higher. Uh, Barnhartville, a good home of Barnhartville. Uh, those numbers are are a little bit lower with uh, 55 units, mostly because we don't have a lot of houses here. I don't think that number is really all that low, actually. Uh, in the price points where most of the activity lies, 
this is interesting. Obviously, the median uh, residential price, seven fifty. It's going to be higher. Uh, would be that six hundred plus mark uh, was the dominant number. Uh, with 1,253 units sold above $600,000 this last year. If you want to back that up between 560 and and 600, there's only 221 units. Uh, if you were looking for a dwelling between 4 and 430, 147 units. Th- those are just some random numbers I throw out there just to kind of give you some perspective uh, on uh, where the units are selling at what price. Okay, let's look at the hottest subdivision in Kamloops last year, which was Sahali for most units sold. Uh, In 2020, the median house price was $580,000. In 2021, the median house price rose to $720,000 even. Okay, and for perspective, the average price uh, in 2020 was $595,000. And the average price in uh, this past year, $747,000, almost $748,000, okay? So median and average, a little bit of difference there. Uh, Let's look over to our second most productive subdivision, which was Brocklehurst. And Brock's numbers look like this. 2020, median house price, $481,000. 2021, that number... $595,000. That's a pretty significant increase. Um, The average price this year in Brock, though, $617,792. So, you know, the average price is is a decent 20 grand, 21 grand, whatever more than what the uh, median price is. If we look back to average price in 2020, $480,000 is pretty much the same price as 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 a median price. Um, If we look at uh, Aberdeen, uh, sorry, hold on. The next most productive uh, subdivision was South Cam. South Cam loops, uh, 37% increase in median house price uh, over 2021, over 2020. And uh, Aberdeen, median house price, 737 in 2021. Uh, That's up from 2020 where it was 640,000 bucks. So almost a hundred grand difference in median house price. The average price in Aberdeen last year, 778,000 bucks, almost 800 to get a home in Aberdeen. Crazy. Market's hot. Uh, Overall, 1,573 units sold for single family dwellings last year. I think I mentioned that already. 2,919 total dwellings uh, sold. So what can we say about Kamloops? Well, I know that, you know, one of the big factors when COVID started was people working from home and readjusting their lifestyle. So if you lived in a, in a, in a busy condo development, you didn't have your private backyard and you were stuck in your home because you were quarantining or you just didn't want to, you know, you didn't want to go out and subject yourself to opening yourself up to uh, possible contamination of COVID, then you wanted to restructure your living quarters. You wanted a bigger yard. Uh, people were educated to the fact that, you know, gardens, it could really provide some, some well nutrition. We could, we could actually make a difference uh, in, in providing our own food and sustaining our own situations because we had all kinds of issues in Kamloops. We had, uh, you know, a highway issue that stopped uh, moving of, of 
you know, goods and services to Kamloops. Uh, in COVID, there was worker shortages. There was a lot of people off work. There was industries that were completely closed. And uh, you just couldn't get, I should mention there was hoarding as well, but you just couldn't get everything you wanted when you wanted it. And we're still seeing the effects of that today. I know, uh, you know, if you're buying certain items, if you're buying a vehicle, there's a shortage. If you're buying couches, there's a shortage. If you're buying, you know, big ticket items like hot tubs and stuff, there's a shortage because there's a a significant demand for that stuff. And yet there is a, a real recess in production due to, you know, items that we got overseas that are not accessible to us due to labor shortages, et cetera, et cetera. So in the past, let's say two years, the demand to shift your home to a little more comfortability um, and self-sustainability was a real key factor in a lot of the shifts that we saw. And that demand was intense. It was intense for properties with bigger yards. Uh, It was intense for you know, people moving from a condo to a a single family detached home with a yard. Um, Plus, if you were working from home, you might need another bedroom. You need to convert to an office. Um, Those were all huge factors in the shift. Now, now what do we see? Well, the Canadian government's dumped another $200 billion into mortgages, right? So there's a whole bunch of cash liquid available for uh, you and me to leverage our homes if they went up in value and uh, to borrow on to buy more residential property. So that, that's the next new shift. The shift we're seeing now is lots of people leveraging their home to buy investment property. And townhomes and condos, the rental markets are good. They, they debt service comfortably. And uh, as you can see here, there's an average 27% increase in single family detached homes. People have cash, like they have the ability to leverage that cash at such a low interest rate uh, to go buy a second property because they've seen the significance of what that investment could do uh, in the past, I want to say 12 months, but really it's been 24 months of of craziness through the COVID pandemic. Um, And I think you will continue to see that shift uh, and investment property and rental property are going to be big demand. They've always been in big demand, but they have they seem to be just teeming with, with uh, demand right now, especially in our market, definitely from what I've seen. And uh, the, the, the fact that interest rates, we've been told interest rates are going up. They've started to shift in an upward direction. They're still at all-time lows. So money is cheap. Uh, borrowing money right now is, is uh, pretty easy to do. And I think we'll continue to see that until interest rates get to the point where, you know, maybe when they hit 2.5%, if they ever get that high, uh, then, then I think you'll see, you know, then you'll see a, a little bit of a comforting slowdown in a, in our market, as well as some of the surrounding areas like Kelowna and uh, um, you know maybe the Shushwap areas like uh, Salmon Arm and those areas for sure. Okay, what subdivisions do we have to keep an eye on for next year? Well, I think the trend has been this way for the last few years, and I believe it will continue. But keep your eye on subdivisions like Brocklehurst, uh, North Kamloops, uh, again, a little more with South Kamloops, and I'll tell you why uh, in a second, Um, and even smaller subdivision areas like Dallas and Barnhartville, and I'll tell you why. They're the most accessible place to get properties under 600K, and with the exclusion of South Cam, and I'll, I'll, I'll exclude South Cam here for a second, but... 
Brocklehurst has been growing at a higher rate than Aberdeen in house values. And I think that is because uh, consistently over the years, it's not been regarded as newer. You know, we have a lot more of the BC Builder Box homes uh, in Brocklehurst. So, you know, the demand is always for new, bigger, better, ensuite, uh, theater rooms, uh, double car garages, etc. So um, now you're seeing the fact that if you only have 600K to buy a house, you know, where do I find a house? You're not finding it in Aberdeen anymore. You might have to drop the subdivision down to uh, more accessible subdivisions. And North Kamloops, which I can still remember the days when properties there, there wasn't one that started with a three. And now those subdivisions are all equalizing out. And as we equalize out, uh, those, those subdivisions, you know, get, they get, they get more demand. Under $560,000 last year, North Kamloops, Brocklehurst, under $520,000. Where am I going to find a place for that? Well, again, it is Brocklehurst, North Kamloops. So the more affordable subdivisions get more pressure when the market's driving up with major upward force. And if you're a first-time homebuyer and you're looking to set your, set your feet into the residential market, those subdivisions are going to be first on your list. We get to a point, too, where Westside starts to become uh, in that same conversation. Let's go back to South Kamloops for a minute. When I say South Cam, keep your eye on it, it's because there's so much development going on downtown. And with the downtown core, the downtown core has always had high demand um, because you have access to the city, you have access to Riverside Park, uh, amenities, maybe you don't drive, maybe you don't need to drive. The rental market is phenomenal. Um, and so with all the new construction that's going on down there, you're, you're seeing 100-year-old homes uh, get torn down and you're seeing, you know, low-rise construction getting erected. We've had a record number of uh, new builds downtown start this past uh, two years. And there is already uh, plans for some new well, uh, structures, low-rise structures going on downtown, commercial residential mix. So keep your eyes on that uh, as the demand starts to, you know, really pick up in Kamloops for condo life, uh, condo development, uh, City of Kamloops has always uh, had a strategic plan to densify the downtown core. So they are more lenient and more willing to participate in projects of that nature uh, to sort of achieve their goal. There is another thing that I think you'll see the trend start to pick up on, and that's garden suites. Uh, we haven't seen a ton of garden suite development so far in Kamloops, but it is definitely starting. And there's, let me tell you the pros and cons. Recently, uh, City Kamloops zoning has changed the size limit for uh, the size of a, a garden suite that can be built on, uh, on a property. Some subdivisions don't allow for it, but most subdivisions now allow for garden suites to be built on your lot if you meet the criteria. I'm not going to get into all the criteria because it's a whole podcast in itself, um, but stay tuned for that, by the way. Um, Garden suites. So a uh, three-bedroom, one-bath, one-level garden suite, uh, let's say last year's standards, 860 square feet. I think that's the max. It's pretty close to that. Uh, that, that can generate somewhere in the area of $25, uh, $100 in, in rental revenue. And if you consider the fact, you know, depending on subdivision, and if you consider the fact that 
they can be built uh, sub $300,000 right now. So if you're sitting on a lot that's literally just, you know, green grass uh, where your dog can roam around in, uh, unfortunately, the land value for that now is, is, is going to be appreciated by the, based on the fact that you might be able to build a whole other structure there. And I think you're going to see the demand for this start to shift where you're going to see, you know, denser subdivisions with uh, larger lots getting garden suites built on them. Now, people say, well, what's the difference between a garden suite and a coach house? There is a difference. Um, the difference between a garden suite and a, and a, and a coach house, so to speak, um, is the fact that one has a, a coach house has a, a, is basically got a dwelling above a garage and a garden suite is literally just another mini house on your, on your lot. And, uh, the difference is quite significant in what you can build for size. And, uh, I think if you build a, a coach house, you can make a bigger unit. Uh, of course you need, you know, there's the standards for being approved for put, building one of those in your lot. going to be significantly more. You're going to need a bigger lot, but if you're downtown, if you're, uh, you know, West side, if you're North Kamloops, Brocklehurst, if you're Sahali, Juniper, um, you know, the leniency for building on your bigger lots now is starting to change. It's starting to shift. And I think you're going to start to see more development of these garden suites uh, through our city. Now, one thing to note, um, if you're building one of these units, it's just like building a house. So you need a builder, a licensed builder to build it. Um, you can choose to build your own if you take the, uh, uh, the course and you want to general contract your own construction. That's, that's still doable. Um, but you can, there's requirements around that and you can't do it as a business. So you can only do it like once and then you can't sell it right away and, and you got to sit on it. And then I, I think there's a maximum amount that you can do in a lifetime, but you're not going to make a business out of that, but you, you can definitely contract, uh, a contractor, uh, it'll come with a 10-year home warranty kind of deal. Um, licensed builders are definitely doing it. Of course, there's a big demand for licensed builders in Kamloops right now. And I think you're going to see that the demand for building in Kamloops continues to grow with the fact that I think new construction slightly slowed down uh, a little bit due to lumber costs. And uh, I think there's a number of people out there that just were going to build and held off. I know I'm one of them. We're just going to hold off for a few years just to see what the lumber prices do and see if we can start getting uh, materials, uh, you know, out of the shortage that we were running into in the last 18 to 24 months. So that's what I think Calmus has in store. Um, I think we're going to have another fantastic year. My true perspective, and I want to go into this more detail in another podcast, but my true perspective is that uh, the market will continue to increase uh, at least through the spring of 2022. It's already starting off of the bang and as the winter um, is, we're, we're deep into the winter months right now. And I, I, I can't imagine that the, anything is going to change in the short term. It's going to take interest rates to go up before you see, see some decline in the aggressive nature of the buyers right now. And uh, so if you, if you have one home that you live in, uh, get ready for assessed values to go up again next year. If you have... Uh, maybe a property with a, an investment property on the side, a rental property, you're truly getting ahead in the market. Call Parker Bennett now for your complimentary home evaluation. 416-870-4900.